0: welcome to the author blur podcast I'm your host Eric Maynard as most of you know I'm an author obviously I'm the host of the show so this show went a little longer than most of the others because well lately I've been getting to talk on topics that I literally have a huge interest in because well I get to do that every now and then so Last week, I kind of cut it short so I didn't go too far into my conversation with King Solomon. I actually had a little bit of time, so I went a little long today. Please forgive me, but if you get into finding out about Atlantis and the fact of my guest today, David Edward, discusses how he has proof of Atlantis, you'll be very happy. He also has, as you'll hear in this, a total of forty eight books if I count right. If I count it wrong, it might be forty five, might be fifty, somewhere in there. Other words, a lot of books. So he should have something that you might be interested in. He, so gives you kind of an interesting point to look at him and say, let's go in and see what he has. I hope you enjoy listening to him and I talk. I Promise you I did everything I can to try to make sure as I always do that I answer the or I at least ask the questions I should say that You would be asking if you want to learn about a book that you might be interested in Because who knows a book might not sound interesting by the cover But as you know once you find out about the story you can really get into it as you'll hear he has a short history of series where every book that he writes he does the research that he put together for the location and then turns that into a book so one you can either learn about the situation after you read it or if you don't get into his fiction books you can learn about his different events with or not his different events the history of the events that are in his books so i found it interesting I hope you do too now nuts and bolts of things I'm going to let you know that you can always call me and ask a question and I'll shoot the question off to either the author that you're asking the question of I'll answer the question that you have on the website I have done some work to make things a little more easier to find make it load a little quicker and then also added an option where you can click at the top of the page a thing called speakpipe, which allows you to leave a voicemail or voice message, however you want to say it, up to 90 seconds. You can say your name, say anything you want. What I'll do, as long as it's clean, I'll put it on the show. I'll let people hear your question and either my question or the question or the answer from the author. So there you go. I'm trying to provide you with as much as I can, like I always say. I'm working on a few things as well, one of them being a review series that, if you're subscribed to the show, you'll be able to catch. It's going to be either me reviewing books that have been from authors who've come on, or it's going to be a guest that I have that's going to want to talk about books from authors who have been on the show. Again, this is all about helping authors who come on, get discovered, get found. And with this, I'm hoping it'll provide you more information. And some of them might be short. If they're like the first one I've already recorded, it's a short video or audio. Be pretty quick for you. The next one I'm planning on doing, I'm not expecting to be very long either to be truthful with you. But on the ones that I have conversations with, I have no idea how long they're going to go. Either way, I'm trying to provide you what you need. And with that being said, enjoy the show. Go to authorblurb.com if you're listening so that you can find anything the author wants to put out there for you to find so you can find other authors as well. You might discover authors that you never even thought of or you just didn't get a chance to hear on the show because well I am growing this pretty quickly or at least I'm trying and they have a profile with all their information a bio the links to that you can find their books find them find anything that they provide me basically anything I can think of that you would want to know should be in that private that bio or profile however you want to say so there's also the podcast you can find the videos on the profiles or on the homepage I have random videos that are from the authors that I've re- interviewed. So take the time, enjoy the website, enjoy my conversation with these authors and always feel free to let me know what you think. Share with people you know because you well, know, I want to grow the show so more authors get discovered. And hopefully people find my books, which is the Bearman series that I've written and buy those. Yeah. Other than that, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. I'm here with David Edward. We're here to discuss his books, and when I say books, I think as we talked, I mentioned we were talking about forty eight at least. I might have miscounted, missed one or something, but you have a whole slew of books.
1: Yeah, well you 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 educated me. I I thought I thought I'd written forty five, but yeah, you 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 found the number was forty eight, so it's a lot of books. (laughs)
0: yeah i mean like i said i might have miscounted but either way you when it comes to having a lot of books you definitely have a lot of books and as you can see in the background of your side of the video i mean they're not thin books they're not paperweights or not
1: yeah so you know what i did i've only i've only i published my first book called alamosa in february of 2021 and all i did during the lockdown I just decided I was going to write. So I actually won. I use Grammarly. If you ever heard of that, it's like a spell yep. checker and stuff. And I got an email from them like six months ago that said I was the most prolific writer of anyone that uses their tool, which is like millions and millions of people. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. I, I wrote like two million words or something. Um, oh, geez. In the course of a couple of years. Yeah. So, and know, I, because, I, you know, I've always wanted to write books and I had the time. so uh, So I started writing books. All
0: right. So now let's get in a bit about yourself because i'm sure there's a story there and tell us a little bit about the books like we discussed beforehand you don't need to list all 48 or 45 or 50 whatever it actually comes out to be but give us an idea a bit of the categories genres and what so have you
1: yeah sure i mean the, the little, little pitch i mean i'm a bit of a platypus i've been I've been very lucky in life because I've gotten to do, you know, a whole bunch of things. Um, I live in Ocala, Florida right now, and I actually grew up in South Florida. I had moved away, and then we moved back here in 2019, so just before the pandemic. Um, you know, I, I barely graduated high school. I mean, literally, I had to negotiate my way out. I mean, like, <laughs> whatever the GPA minimum was, I was right there at, like, put, like, like 0. 0.001 below it. But I got out of that. I dropped out of college after the first, uh, the second semester of the first year. Um, right. And I, I felt like I was a smart guy, um, but I realized I didn't, whatever I, else I had done in growing up, I hadn't developed the tools necessary to kind of be a professional person. Um, so I joined, I put myself, I joined the army. Um, mm-hmm. I was a little older. I was like, um, I think I was 19 when I went in because I had done, done the, the, the college. So I was like a little, I was always a little older than kind of everybody else. But so I was in the army for um, four years. And uh, mm-hmm. I joined the infantry at 11, 11 Bravo because they had, you got a $5,000 signing bonus. Um, but then you take this test, it's called the ASVAB test. And I did really well on it. And they were recruiting for what they call 97 Bravo, which is a counterintelligence agent in military intelligence. And they, Moved me over to that MOS, you know, I could claim they recruited me like in the movies and stuff, but that is not at all what happened. They simply had a quota. They had a test score. I met the criteria and they put me over. there. <laughs> um, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I don't know what my life would have been if I had been an infantry soldier. Uh, but as I was a counterintelligence agent for, for four years. So I got to work. I was attached to the DEA. I got to work with the, CE, the CIA. Um, I was part of the team that arrested Noriega. So I got to do all kinds of really cool things in the 80s and 90s in the military. Uh, then I had the chance to re-up, and I realized that, you know, college didn't look anywhere near as bad as it did, uh, <laughs> you know, coming out of high school. Uh, so I went to, back to school, and uh, I like anything I do, like with the books, you know, the 48 books and stuff, I um, I do it with passion. So I finished a bachelor's degree, three master's degrees, and I have a doctorate in engineering. I've been the president <laughs> of a university. Um, I've taught at all level of, uh, you know, collegiate colleges, some good schools, some regular schools. Uh, then I when I got out of the military, I was while I was doing that, I formed two companies, which I still have. One's a geo space company, um here on Florida Space Coast. Uh, and then um Yeah, I done a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, then I decided I'm gonna start writing books. So I, like <laughs> I said, about two, three years ago I started writing books and now I've got forty-eight books.
0: Jeez. That is I wouldn't even know where to begin with that story. Talk about yeah, making no, somebody it, feel like an underachiever.
1: <laughs> well, but you know what? No, I, I just drifted. All I did, the only decisions I made was not to do the same thing for very long. And right. when there was a risk to take, I took it um, because I was young. I, I don't do it anymore, but you know. But as, right. as a young person, I think I think um, it's not good. I, I think take all the risks you can while you can you know, weather them not working out, right? Because you, right. you get too old in life, you have mortgages and, and responsibilities. You can't really all of a sudden lose all your money and wind up in, in Nicaragua. Right. W- wake up there and not know how you got there. You can't, but when you're younger, you can't. <laughs> so. Which I've done, right. by the way. I, I have done that exact same, that exact thing. Never
0: Mexico for me, but Canada. Yeah, So
1: yeah. I've been to Canada.
0: No, there's been one where I, where I just... Well, let, that's a whole different story, <laughs> but, okay, but yeah, I mean, it's
1: so hey, any, any country whose uh, money is called loony is my kind of country.
0: Well, it's definitely loony at times up there. I can say that.
1: Yep. So let me ask you this.
0: What actually got you to start writing books? I mean, you said you started back in what, 2005 was it? You said, forgive me uh, on that. I,
1: Yeah, no. I published the first book. It came out in February of 2021. Okay. About two about two years ago. Now that first book took me over two years to write, um, uh, because I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And it's a little rough around the edges. I've revised it once, um, but I've decided I don't want to I don't want to change it too much because it's my first book. It is what it is. I want it to be. I don't want to go in and clean up and write the way I write. 48 books later because then you can't see the evolution and stuff. Yeah. So, right. So what, what, I, don't know, I just, I wanted to do it. Um, Like I said, with the pandemics, what else was I going to do? You know, we're you're sitting here. We still had electricity.
0: Uh, right.
1: So uh, I just decided to do it.
0: All right. So now if I remember correctly, you're in fiction, nonfiction, you've written in for fiction, you've written thriller, paranormal, um,
1: sci-fi. No, sci-fi, and sci-fi. Those Those sci-fi. Three genres, yeah.
0: And then you in nonfiction, you've written history. I'll yeah. be honest with you, there's the one book you've written under the history section about Atlantis that's what caught my attention.
1: Hey, that book, you know what? I was on Coast to Coast AM talking about that book. In fact, they just, they, they, they just invited me back because the book is doing so well. Um, So yeah, that book is really doing good and it has positioned me in the conversation around Atlantis with a very unique voice because I mentioned I have the, this this education, and I was also on the university side, so I understand that you know a lot of times when you look for Atlantis, you rage against the in air quotes you know the mainstream academics, right? You you watch uh, what they call it, ancient aliens on TV. They're always talking about the mainstream academics. Well, I know that world. I don't agree with them necessarily on everything, but I I know how they think. But I'm also a nerd and a kook, um, and I love Atlantis, so mm-hmm. I, I know you know what I want to find. So what I'm doing is I'm kind of bringing those two worlds together which means everyone's mad at me. Usually you have a camp you can go to, but in this case, I've got everyone mad at me.
0: Okay. So let me understand this. So you've gone from the academic world. Now I've read Pluto. I've read a lot of different ancient Greek stuff about Atlantis, because I mean, who doesn't want to be the one to discover Atlantis? I mean, come right. on. I know, right man yeah. And now I'm not saying you didn't discover it I'm not saying you are <laughs> I do know I've read a lot of people like I watched a video of where they showed these um this underground there this underwater city that was just ruined and they claimed that was Atlantis I've seen I've seen so many different things I know in Pluto they talk about it going through the the strait that I forget was is a Hercules opening? Hercules, or like yeah, that. the Strait
1: of Hercules, yeah, which which we think is the Strait of Gibraltar, but there's a number of places right. it actually could be, yeah. yeah. So what? So we can
0: add some credibility behind this. Uh-huh. This isn't something you just opened Google Earth and said, "Oh,
1: look, I found it." it what? It, what's it really behind? Not. Yeah. Well, so I um was let's see, how long? It's about a year ago, not quite a year ago, maybe. Uh, I you know. We're on camera, so I'm an old guy. You know, we've admitted (laughs) that. And it turns out, old guys can't sleep a lot. That that's something you'll grow into. That it just happens to you. So I was up one night, um, and I I watched everything. uh, And um, I and YouTube fed me a a video about Atlantis from this guy named Jimmy Corsetti, who has a a channel called Bright Insight. And it was a long video; it was like an hour. But I I watched it, and compared to like 95% of the other stuff, I watch on you know on youtube i was like wow i think this guy's on to something i mean it, it really felt like his explanation he was, he's very good at explaining things way better than i am uh, all right and, just, and i was just like wow and i'm of course i like atlantis i hadn't thought about it for 10 for 20 years or longer 30 years i don't even know um right but, then, but i thought it was right but i didn't so then I, I researched it and he's he's very he's had the opportunity to to tell his what he believes he's found to lots and lots of people. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast. He's been all the place. I, but he, he hasn't really been as effective as I think his discovery allows for I'm trying to be very, very kind in how I, how I say that. So I was like, right. you know what? The way these things get found is other people believe, and then they start to lend their voices. Um, so I decided, you know what? Let me see if I can independently verify this stuff. I think he's right on. Let me double check the, the stuff. I, I don't know that it sounds right to me. Um, And let me, you know, see what I find. But but I'm going to start from the beginning. I'm going to do all the work myself. And so that's what I did. And what I discovered is I think he is right. There's a whole plethora of support for this particular location. But then what I realized is that because I really got into those those dialogues, the two dialogues from Plato are Critias and Timaeus are the two platonic dialogues that mention Atlantis. Right. I read them and I read them and I read them. I even put them on audio. I listened to them and listened to them. So I I got like, I just became like, like intertwined with them. And what I realized is what he tells us about Atlantis, this character Critias is that it's a kingdom of 10, 10 locations of 10 provinces. So there's a capital city and there's nine provinces. And in the dialogues Mm -hmm. we even get from Plato, we get, um, the names of the rulers of all of those provinces. And you started listening to it and they talk about stuff like diving islands and agriculture and they invaded Greece. And it's just there's all kinds of stuff, this story that if you look at it, I mentioned I was in the military when I, when I was a counterintelligence agent, what they, what the, the training they, they taught me was what they call battlefield counterintelligence and mm-hmm. then human hum collection, human intelligence, how to get information from people. But the battlefield counterintelligence is really interesting. And, and it's, it's learning how to associate what seemingly unrelated things. So that you can conclude what a large group of people are going to do. For example, um, we, this is a pattern. I, I was one of the ones that actually discovered this pattern, but we had a post, and we before the units would go out and have to conduct, you know, field activities, training um, the night before, families would go to the grocery stores and load up on things for kids, baby formula, uh, potato chips, you know, stuff for kids to do. And that's right. because they're going as a family because we know whoever the military person is, it's usually the guy, but it's not always anymore, right. um, are going to be gone for a week or two. Well, so if you're in, I remember I was back when, I mean, R- Russia is, you know, new again. For a right. long time, we weren't worried about Russia. It was the Soviet Union when I was in. But we know they're watching. So now right. we've got someone, you know, they're living in an apartment somewhere. They're looking over at the PX. They see all the cars go. Now they know something. So, you know, that, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so when I look at, when I started looking for Atlantis, I brought all of those types of tools. So I, and I don't know of anyone, I'm sure there are people that have done it. But I don't know of any other army counterintelligence agents that went on to be president of university and earned a doctorate in engineering written 48 books and then did the research on atlantis after watching a youtube video so i I feel like i feel like i'm I'm in a pretty specific category yes (laughs) i'll agree with you yeah i'm like a platypus when it comes to that but yeah i'm passionate (laughs) about it and um uh it's a it's a fun space i like arguing about atlantis with people because we used to argue politics Right, um, and, and you look like you, you're probably too young to remember. But when I was growing up 30 years ago, we would have raging arguments with people we didn't agree with, but it was in fun. We'd be drinking and, oh, and it passed yeah. the time. Now, my God, you, you find yourself surrounded by people that have different opinions. If they discover it. Oh yeah. You're, it's... you're asked. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. And if it's the wrong kind of opinion, they can come after your livelihood. They'll threaten your, ha- you know, so, so we, Politics suck. Atlantis can do all oh, the same yeah. things. It, it passes the time, um, but it's not as dangerous. Just
0: so you know, I grew up when... I think I was in high school when Dial-Up was just coming out.
1: Okay. If all that, right. Well, you carry it, it very well. My friend.
0: <laughs> well, I have good jeans. Okay. So
1: Fair enough.
0: So I buy... I think they're Levi's. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what it comes down to is... I do understand what you mean. It's that whole... You used to be able to sit and talk to people, have arguments. And like, I have one of my best friends, him and I used to sit around and like he said, just drink. And, you know, we would, one of the biggest things, like for me, I've, religion was, or I should say Christianity was always my topic of debate because I've read the Bible a few times. I would always, I've been kicked out of churches because I've upset so many pastors. I've, so obviously you see where I do have the same kind of background yeah. there. Yeah. 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 I see the fun of it anymore. Right. Like you said, if I try to come out and say, Hey, this is what I believe. And that's kind of like, if you remember the sign-up page, which I think was like a month prior to being able to get on here, it said, I don't want to discuss politics on the show. Okay. Just, just for that reason, because I mean, it's, So quickly people get so wrapped up. Don't get me wrong; I know my political views will upset people on both sides, and I'm perfectly fine with that. But for the show, I want to make it all about the authors. Right now, if you want to give your political views, that's fine. But (laughs) I'm not going to discuss it on my side. Yeah.
1: Now I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's suicide if you if you're. If you're in the public eye at all, um, I mean, even if you're a manager in a corporation, I mean, you know, if, there, if you have any kind of visibility, right? Uh, it's very difficult, I think, unless the industry you're in is one where it would benefit from people under people knowing what your views are. Right. But I think most people are probably Eric, more like you. I, I know I am, which is we have. I I, I don't recognize. There isn't like a political party I look at and go, yeah, those. those yeah. Are my those are my peeps. You know, <laughs> I, I like agree with like. 75 percent of what they're saying i don't find that at all right um and so i don't even yeah so whatever so we're not talking so we're not talking about it yeah but, but we're very justified in not talking about it
0: exactly so now let yeah. me ask you yeah. so i can go on forever about atlantis because i'm hugely curious and we might just come back to it okay because like i said i can honestly go into depths on different questions i have about it i'm happy to,
1: happy to field them if you want to
0: Well, that's fine. So let's talk about, first off, some of your fiction books that you've written as well, because like you said, some people, they like certain genres of you and not others. I believe we were talking prior to the recording of this where there's an author I really love that he wrote. There's two book series that he wrote that I think actually now three that I really enjoyed. And the other ones he wrote, I just can't get into. So we all have our genres that we like that we want to be part of. You've written in, let me, like, like we discussed, paranormal thrillers, sci-fi. You know, like for me, I, I love certain thrillers. I love some paranormal, paranormal, and my sci-fi. I used to be a huge sci-fi fan, and it's just kind of. Really slimmed down nowadays. So let's talk about some of those books as well, so we can get a feel of what you've actually written. What? Let me start with this. What's your favorite fiction book you've written so far?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's What's a lot. Yeah. So so my baby. So the book, the book I enjoy, the book of mine that I enjoy coming back to the most, and there's a couple of them, obviously, but this one right here, Prayer Drum. Right. Which is um, the fourth book in the Dirk Lasher thriller series, which is set in Panama in the 1980s. So right. have some some agency to knowing <laughs> what's going on there. But the the this first book, which was this is my only like real hit. It sold it sold 100,000 copies. Panama Red. It is the first book in the I call it. His, it's a it's a historical fiction. It's a thriller, but it's like I said, it's set in the 1980s. So it's got you know it's not present day stuff. Right. Um, and I wrote this and I wanted to write what, the kind of books I like um, and the kind of books I tend to read are, I, I call them like dime store pulp fiction. Uh, All right. I don't, want, I don't want to really, I like books that have some interesting themes. Um, I don't want just stupid action with no consequences, but I'm I not really want deep philosophical treatment. I want to be entertained, like, you know, and, and have stuff move along. So that's what right. I tried to do with this one. And people love it, uh, but they tell me it's very dark. And I was like, <laughs>
0: Imagine that. I,
1: I it didn't it didn't even register that it would be dark. Then I realized with you know I, I have experiences that might not be mainstream, so I'm I maybe have whatever. Right. Um, so I was like, okay, well I wanted this series to be fun. So the second book, which you can kind of see behind my head, Drive Faster, I was like, okay. I wanted the first book to be a frolicking adventure. It's the same, you know, it's, it's a continuation, but I'm gonna write this one much more in that adventure style. Uh so then I did that. And then the third book I wanted to make very, very dark, because it's the middle book and I lose a lot of readers with the third book because it does go very dark. And then right. this this fourth book, I want to come back from the darkness, which is where I wrote Prayer Drum. And I also, in this thriller series, I brought in some of my historical research. I didn't bring Atlantis into it, although I'm, I'm working on the, the next book, which is the start of a new series for this character. Atlantis is going to be the theme. But in Prayer Drum, I kind of mix, because when I was in the military, I mentioned I was in Panama. I mm-hmm. went to, I, I spent, I, I went to the Jungle Operations Training Center there. So I, I was trained and out of like when to graduate they cut the head off a boa constrictor and you got drink its blood it's like a 10-day course yeah right. uh, so i did that and then i went to the dorian gap afterwards like on vacation and there's some petroglyphs in there i saw it was really cool I, and i visited all the mayan temples that are in like southern central america and stuff and i went up right. to mexico and i saw some of the Aztec stuff. blah 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 so i you know I, I i brought in that ancient history stuff i'm really interested in i brought it into the adventure book and i and i brought in something called the drum of god which i had wrote a history book on which is mm-hmm. um, a theoretical african artifact that is um, a model was modeled after the ark of the covenant so i said well maybe there's only one but i said well what if maybe what if there were multiple ones around the world and I brought it right. together and it's a big rollicking adventure in the jungle with headhunters and just, it's just the coolest damn book. <laughs> um, so it's just, it's just awesome. And then the last book in the series, Down Ballot is a little darker, but it does resolve everything. Well, it resolves most things. Um, All right. So, so yeah, you I did, think that's, that's my best book.
0: So you did close out the series of that then it sounds like.
1: So how many series do you actually have? And how many do you have active, I guess? I only have, so on the fiction side, I have three series um and they are all they all have had the first set of books the sci-fi was a trilogy paranormal was a trilogy and the thriller was five books and they've mm-hmm. all com- completed their first arc so i'm sitting on i've written half of the next dirk lasher thriller i've written i don't even know how much I'm like 95% done with it's just a pure western it it would It fits in the, I call it Purgatory Oaths, which is the the supernatural one. And then the different books, it's like an anthology. So there's different characters sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, the Western will go in there. That one's, if I, maybe this weekend, I just got to finish it. I mean, I'm I'm so close (laughs) to being done. Um, And then the sci-fi, that finished, the sci-fi was interesting because I did um, the trilogy books. And then I did a a bunch of short stories that were set like a hundred years before. Um, so I've got 10 short stories in the sci-fi series and three books and, uh, and just th- this called earth series. One is the collection and that, and purgatory oaths, those two, the c- collections of those two series are actually free right now on Amazon. So if anyone wants oh, to nice. you pick up, yeah, all three books for free. So digital. Nice. I'm going
0: to have yeah. to get those now. Keep in mind, this is probably going to air probably a month after we're talking. Okay, so they're
1: still free. Yeah. They're per- perpetually free. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay, perfect. So yeah, I'll have to get on there and get some of them myself then. Yeah. So trust me, I have a I keep collecting books from every author I can just because well, I'm addicted well, you to them.
1: So all of my books take place in the same universe. Even though okay. okay so the, the Earth the sci-fi books are supposedly set fifty thousand years in the past. Okay. I mean, the, pur- the the pur- I call it the Purgatory or Oath books are basically turn of the century, 1900s, and then the other ones in the 1980s, 1990s. We uh, yeah, have the Earth series. So the Earth series. So what I'm interested in, you t- we talked about Plato. Um, right. Uh, Plato wrote a lot about the human soul and this idea mm-hmm. of what is the soul, uh, what is a person, all that stuff. So the sci-fi books take take that on from a technical standpoint and basically. Uh, the, the, the story revolves around the characters discovering that he, human souls or, you know, not humans, but whatever they whatever they were few thousand years right. ago are being used as currency. Um, OK, so the whole whole sci fi story is about that. And and the, the souls get moved around. So what is it? Sometimes you want to be a robot. You know, just, and what does that all mean? It's like, what's the currency of 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 people, souls, right? That's the sci fi side. And then on the purgatory earth side, it's the same thing, but it's religious and, and spiritual and supernatural the okay. and all those kinds of things. So, and of course they're setting, they're, they're all answering the different ways of asking and answering the same question. Um, all right. in, the, in the thriller, I've, I've left clues in that no one's picked up on yet. Sometimes, you know, some of the, the names of things are the same, but eventually it's all going to come together as my plan. Probably another, I got to get another 48 books done. And then the, <laughs> uh, the 99th and the 100th book will pull it all together. And people will be like, Whoa, <laughs> that's really cool.
0: Yeah. If somebody's going to read, all 100 books once you get it done <laughs> i want to talk to that person that reads all 100 books of yours
1: know. Yeah, yeah. well and, I mean, and even the history books the history books are all topics that show up in the fiction books so that's how i actually right. started writing because so i like like this drama god thing i'm like well, i want to research it to put it in the book i'm like i'm doing all this research i'm like well this this should be its own book so i made you know and that so all all of the locations and events and artifacts and the things in my other books that's what i release is in history books so like i have i have books on operation just cause when we invaded panama the panama canal honduras right. that kind of stuff you know what i mean so that that's what the history is so you could read all, right. all of my stuff and it's all wrapped in this hard to see through snow globe that <laughs> you can shake up and watch move around i was gonna say you had quite a few short short history or what was it a short a, a short history of that that's what it is so i yeah. have yeah i I'll, I'll you know and you you wind up with a ten thousand fifteen thousand words it's not a it's not an encyclopedia but right you know, it's a it's a legitimate uh read so you know it's a four or five hour right. read. it's a good book well you don't need a
0: textbook to uh, portray a quick little info dump of history exactly. exactly so I mean trust me I'm not gonna sit through a textbook not after all the ones I've gone through so yeah yeah but so let's Let's look at this. Then, what actually? I guess. So you have everything going. You said that your sci-fi is actually set. How many years in the past? Five hundred years in the past, or fifty
1: thousand years in the
0: past? Fifty, 50 thousand years in the past. Okay, most sci-fi's, as far as I'm aware. Now, I'm some are said modern days. I'm listening right now to or reading right now one of the authors I talked to, who did a. Um, Modern day sci fi where aliens came to the earth. How is your sci fi set 50,000 years in the past? with... Because you're not thinking 50,000 years in the past has
1: technology. Right. That's got to read the books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't want to give it away.
1: Yeah, well, so the basic, I, look, what, what, like I'm we're talking about Atlantis, right? What, right. What, what is Atlantis? Atlantis is this idea of a civilization before ours. Right. Right. So with Earth 50,000 B.C., I I tried to go back really far. I said, okay, let's really open up that idea and let's get creative and let's look. And, you know, because we look at Mars, was Mars habited or was it that was Mars the moon to a planet that is now the asteroid belt? Right. Um, Well, in in my books, that planet's still there and Mars is still a moon of of that planet. So, of course, at some point in these stories, we're going to find out what happens to it and how does it go for this big planet into the asteroid belt? You know that that kind of stuff, and I'm laying the foundations for a lot of the locations and a lot of the ancient cultures that we start to see in history, <laughs> because I actually do know quite a bit about it, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm laying those foundations in the sci-fi books. So by the time we get there, you know, it's should be like oh oh oh. Now, admittedly, I've had many many people who, since this is only the first fraction of it, don't get it all, and they get I, I, a lot of the comments are like, I thought this would be a book like set in Egypt or something, and it's not. You know what's going on? Why are there spaceships? Uh, but, <laughs> There is a plan and there is a story, you know? It's just we gotta right. get through it. Yeah. All right. So
0: possibly the I guess you could say people before Atlantis was technology advanced enough that they left and took everything possibly. Is that where we're going or
1: other way around, they show up. So so they're okay. out there in the solar system and the story starts to bring them into the inner planets and um and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I don't want to give sense. too much away. And robots. And so, I mean, basically, the civilization that we're talking about is I'm projecting our civilization way into the future. Matter of fact, and, and you know, everyone has something like the internet, they call it the ether, you know, right. embedded in their heads, that kind of stuff. But then I'm <laughs> pushing it way back into the past because clearly right. something happened to it, right? So there is, it, it's allegorical in some way, but that's, I don't, there's not like major morals and themes in these things. So,
0: you didn't call it a neural link, did you? Because you might get into a little trouble there. I
1: did not. I did absolutely not call it a neural link. No. <laughs> Not for the reasons that that you're mentioning, but uh, I used, in fact, another, I used, I invented all new words for all the technology and everything. And I have an index actually in the back. And in fact, I got one person wrote, they said, this is is a pretty good book. Um, I would have done a lot better with the physical copy because I had to keep flipping to the index, which was hard to do on the digital copy. And I was like, yeah, I didn't think of that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. You know, but uh, yeah, but it's there. It's just, yeah, yeah, it was inconvenient on Kindle, I guess.
0: Oh yeah. I can imagine so. And I mean, honestly, I kind of cheat with my Kindle. I found a way to make it turn into an audiobook, so, oh, wow. so <laughs> like while I'm working, I play, I have it reading the Kindle on my iPhone to me. So that's why I'm getting through so many more books nowadays.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Absolutely, right. See, which is, and I actually, by the way, you know, I know you interview a lot of authors. If any authors listen to this, I. I I did not have a good writing career until I started making a lot of my books free. Not all of them, right? Any, any right. means, But people, they, they, they'll, they they'll be, they'll become loyal to an author if they've read that author, but few people will spend a lot of money on books on new authors. So, right. to, so how do you break it? Do give, you give, do it for free? And then, mm-hmm. cause I mean, I, I, I pick up probably 20 to 80 or a hundred readers a day with the free books. So, right.
0: Well, like, the author we discussed prior, the ones where two or three of his, I got hooked because he had a free ebook out. Yeah. yeah. And I got that ebook, and I think the book series that he had was like or is seven or eight long right now. Maybe more than that. I've lost track. The other series is like three book bu- three books long, and it's just like you get that free one and you're like, well, this is good. And yeah, but you know, right. But again, like you have to have more than one or two books to be able to do that.
1: That's the, yeah. That's the thing I point out. (laughs) If I had this all to do again, especially given how many books I wrote in a very short period, I wouldn't have launched any of this stuff until I had like 10 books out. Um, Right. The, the, the way the Amazon algorithm works is you got to have at least five, I call them covers. They don't have to be full length books. Right. They can be, one book and then four short stories, you know, whatever. We got to have five yeah. somethings and then they will start to recommend your books and get them in front of people. Yep. But yeah, if you, if you have one or two, it's really hard. And, that, and that's
0: just right now. Who knows what it'll be in the next year or something.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly.
0: So what are, I mean, I guess I'm trying to figure out also your non-fictions. Huh? So this short, let's go over the short histories with those there you did the research most people like when I do my research I have a program I use I just put in little notes I put in like I don't have everything collected I have like quick views right to actually take like bulletin notes scrap notes things like that what made you say okay I have all this information this is just my quick reference research to actually take that and put it into the book and what what kind of information is people actually are people actually expecting to get out of these collections of short histories?
1: yeah, so what i I mean the, the, doing the research is the hard part on this stuff, right. But writing it up so that it's readable is is pretty easy. So I realized I had done eighty percent of the work for these books, and I also wanted i I've backed off of this, but my hope was that I could write entertaining. Pulp books, just just books that are entertaining that don't seem to have a lot of really, really deep themes, but touch right. on a lot of things that happened, and then provide if someone's interested in it, like like in the middle book in the in the supernatural series, uh, one of the characters is the guy who built the Coral Castle. So yeah. I have a, I have a book, a short history of the Coral Castle, and my mm-hmm. thought was I I don't want to dump all that exposition into the book because we don't need it, but some people might not know about it. They might think it's interesting, so now they can say, oh, mm-hmm. what is this thing? Who was this guy? And then they now there's a nonfiction work that they can go to. And I had hoped because I was having a lot of success, especially with the thrillers that it would funnel lots of people to those books. That, that hasn't been the way it's worked. People don't seem to have this level of cross curiosity that I had hoped for. Um, But I kept doing it because um, some of them become very popular. Like I wrote a book on Iran, Iran Contra because Mm -hmm. in, um, uh, which book is it? In the, Drive Faster book, the second book in the Dirk Lasher series. That that is a that the history of that is prominent because we're back when it happened. Well that, right. that is incredibly popular. That that book I, I I probably sell twenty to fifty of those a day. Um, nice. I don't know why. I don't know why that one, you know, but so but that's mm. how that that's how those non hist those non non-fiction ones have come about. They've just been something I was researching for the fiction books, uh, that I wanted to also document. The other thing that you know, we, we don't talk politics and stuff, but you got to be a little careful because the information that's out there is slowly changing. Mm-hmm. It's slowly being presented with more of a modern view. I'm being very careful in my language. Right. Uh, I also I also wanted to make sure I captured for, for these trivial items what what was what, what was the history when I wrote it, so that I don't have to later say defend it and have it be different if that makes right. sense at all. So yeah. I that's, mean, that's a very real problem, by the way, but that's got nothing to do with either you or me writing right. books. So yeah.
0: Oh, I agree with you, and that I mean, it's kind of in all truth the reason that I have so many paper books is just yeah. so, because I've actually seen some of the books I've had or have in my ebook where I've gone back and reread them and noticed things in them that changed because. And I don't know how many people actually know this, but an author can go in, update their eBooks, and then it automatically updates in the can- Kindles. So, technically, I could go in, change the ending in five years to my books. Somebody goes back and reads them and goes, "Wait a minute, this isn't what I remember." Yeah. So, I mean,
1: that, that's that's one challenge with digitizing all this stuff. You, you yep. don't have that chain of custody like you know cuz if you have a physical book matter of fact in my field in the Atlantis field there's this guy named Graham Hancock have you ever heard of Graham Hancock
0: no but I, let me do this let me look him up cuz i think okay. you've mentioned him before
1: he's very famous he just had a um uh, a series come out on uh, Netflix called Ancient Apocalypse and he's been writing books for a long time i i read his first it's not his first book. It was a book that made him called "A Fingerprints of the Gods." I read it in 1995. I bought i bought the first-hand copy of it. And I've I just actually have heard of that one. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So, I, but this first-hand copy of that book, I, I kept. I didn't think you know you don't think about it. you just you just sit on your bookshelf. You move, it goes with you. Right. And, um When I got back into this space like six months ago, I went and relooked at it, and all kinds of great stuff. And then I start talking to people, and I, I would say some of the things I read in that book, and they're like all over me. I'm like. Whoa, whoa! And then like, like he didn't say that. He said this. I'm like, what are you talking about? Apparently, the book's in its 15th edition, and sure enough, just for the to get the the new edition, he had to write this big long opening where he basically says he's an idiot, he doesn't really know anything, and this book is probably all wrong. And <laughs> all kinds of stuff in the book, little things are, are tweaked and changed to fit with what well, modern views. And, and I'm right. like, wow, because the original first edition is so different. Um, but at least I know, I wouldn't have even known if I had just gone back 20 years later and read it, I'd be right. like, Oh, okay. I didn't. Oh, all right. I thought, yeah, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was more this or that, but I, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's right. a huge, huge challenge.
0: And like I said, I mean, like for me personally, I have no intentions on changing it, but it's that whole thought. And I mean this, it's, I guess the best way to put it is no matter which side you're on politically, this and that, it's also the thought of, like, having an actual physical copy of something, you know what it was and what it's meant to be. Nobody can change the story that you like. And, yep. Yep. And I mean, that's, I know a lot of people that will buy a paper copy and an eBit book copy because they love reading the e-books but they have that paper copy so that they have that story forever cuz ebooks might who knows if you're in a power outage and it dies if you go camping with whatever it might be you still have that physical book
1: hey look m- movies are the same way I, I i i i had a ton of dvds like
0: 20
1: mm-hmm. 20- 20 years ago, whatever it was. Right. Then I started buying movies on Amazon. I'm like, you know, I, I like to have that. I don't buy a lot of stuff. I buy a few that I really like. Right. And the same thing. It turns out you're not really buying them. You pay them, oh. you pay them the 20 bucks. And apparently what the deal says is that you, you, you guaranteed to be able to access it for seven years. And then as long as it's in the Amazon library after that, well, yep. a lot of the stuff I had bought, it would disappear. I'd be like, God damn it. I know I bought you. Know, where <laughs> is it? And right. same thing, you know? Yeah. To, oh, you know, you know, physical copies of physical media, that's the only way to really own this stuff and, and to know that it is what you remember it being.
0: Oh, I agree. And yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I live literally in a digital world with... Absolutely. It's very convenient. We, we all do. I mean, yeah. between trying to advertise, between getting out there, I literally am emailing. I do design for a living outside of writing and the podcast. I mean... Literally, everything I do is digitalized, and I think the last set I've actually saw of a printed set of drawings were a couple years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yeah. I mean, everything, people pull their tablets up and stretch out the drawings, and it just shows you, even in construction world, there, some do have the printed copies, but no one ever touches them anymore. They have their
1: tablets. You know, which is, which is interesting. I, I When I look for Atlantis and stuff, I always try and stay very grounded. And, I, I'm, and, and anyone who looks at any of the stuff I've done, they'll notice that. But one of the interesting things that happens is when you go back in time, more than about 10,000, 12,000 years, there's no writing. Right. They, they weren't writing stuff down. They were clearly doing stuff. And then right. And I think about, okay, let's say our civilization gets wiped out. Right? Well, yep. it's going to look like we stopped writing stuff down about the year 2010. Right. Right. And so much of what we actually know is going to just be gone. Mm-hmm. It's in the ether, you know, it's digital. They're not gonna be able to re- recreate it or anything. Right. Um, so just, it's it just, it's interesting by converting all this stuff to digital, how much stuff we're going to lose um, so, and how hard is it to do research, right? Because they can manipulate right. it.
0: Yeah. So let me ask this then also. So with, with that being said, every, with, the data being changed data being conflicts each other what actually direction did you go to start your research to Atlantis you said you was listening to a YouTube video you you wanted to test to see if this guy that you were listening to if his theories are right or wrong or what so have you what actually what was your first step into finding out if Atlantis was real because Atlantis, I believe, was supposed to be a couple hundred years before Pluto, and or
1: like 90, couple, we're talking 96, like 9,000 years.
0: 9,000, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, I, I couldn't remember, it's been a long time since I've read it, yeah. but I knew that it was long before the writing was being seen. So, and then that's going to bring my next question about what what ended up being found if there wasn't writing to indicate that it was actually Atlantis?
1: So that's, you've, you've asked me a lot of questions. (laughs) I understand. Okay. Um, so what was your first, first question was how did I start the research? How did you start?
0: You started with a video, but what was your first step into your own research?
1: And then, and then from how did I start the research? And then kind of, what did we end up finding?
0: What did what was right. it i'm not expecting you to tell me oh this is everything we found because people need to read the book to be able to understand i imagine yeah. but a few hints so, here and so, there okay
1: so i know i know I, i've always been like, i mentioned i was a nerd growing up so in the, in right. like in the 70s and 80s I, I watched all the tv shows i read like eric von danigan's um chariots of the gods right um and all that stuff so i and i I'd, I'd, and I I'd continue to watch like if there was a, a a documentary on Atlantis on the History Channel, i you know, I'd watch it. Mm-hmm. um so I, I I was pretty plugged into what was going on, but I'll, because I was as a kid interested in this stuff, pretty soon you get through the Atlantis material and it leads you into a lot of the classical Greek writings. You mentioned that you've read a right. lot of Plato and stuff, so I, I i had 2 i've I read all the dialogues. I've mm-hmm. read Herodotus, the histories. I read like twice. Um, I love this guy named Xenophon, who um. Wrote something called The Retreat of the 10,000. And he, he's the only other writer we have who wrote um, dialogues about Plato. I'm sorry, about Socrates, like Plato did. Um, okay. so he's the only source we have. To so I was already familiar. I was already into that literature. Um, all right. So the first thing I did is I, I went back and reread it all. Uh, mm-hmm. And I decided so, what academically, what you tend to do when you come up with one of these research questions, the next step is to do what they call a literature overview. Go see what the state of the industry is, go find current. Uh, journals and articles, and see what people currently think what they don't think what 's already been researched, all that kind of stuff i I started do that with atlantis, but atlantis is, is it's beaten to death you, you can, th- right. there's there's way too much material on it, and you can go find whatever you want i mean you you can find books that say it's death ray crystals and um, (laughs) UFOs and nuclear submarines. You can go find books that (laughs) say it's the solar system or it's the earth or it's the people, whatever. So I said, I got to push all that away. We're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to treat Plato as source material. So as a primary source. Uh, So then I started reaching out. So like, for example, I reached out to the uh, Dean of philosophy at Yale university. I was able to get to her and I, and I talked to a, a physical anthropologist about West Africa Um, and what they call the green Sahara, which was like between the last ice age and like 6,000 BCE, all all that kind of stuff. So I started talking to people and regular academics won't touch this topic and there is nothing you can bring to them that they will confirm. They will only not confirm it. So I said, Okay. okay, I've got to go it alone. I've got to do it myself. So I took the dialogues. I um, decomposed them down. I found all the pieces that had a physical reference because I, I have mentioned I have a doctor in engineering. My specialty mm-hmm. is, is, the, is the physical nature of things. So I right. invented a new term. I've decided I'm a physical historian. So I'm not an anthropologist. So I don't care. So like in the, in, in the, in the dialogues, we're told that the god Poseidon became smitten with a mountain girl and married her and had all these kids and they became all the kings. Right. I, don't, I can't measure any of that. I can't go find any of that. So I don't care about that. I don't, I don't it it says they made, um, you know, they they liked colors or they raced horses. I, that doesn't help me. But right. a lot of what, what Plato does do is he says, well, it, it was located here and this was this long and this was this long and this was this long. And here's how you got there. And this is the kind of stuff they did and this is what they grew. And here are the kind of metals, you know, just all that kind of stuff. So I basically pulled all of those pieces out um, and uh, decomposed into requirements. And then started looking for and applying those requirements. I partnered with this guy, David Stig Hansen, um, who has a YouTube channel under his own name, David Hansen. Uh, right. And he, he travels the world. So when we found places that looked interesting, he would go there. And then I would talk to him and he'd look for stuff. And he is he and I agree like on like 89% of, of this stuff. Okay. Uh, but yeah, but between all that, I just did all that. I compiled it. I did the analysis. In the book, I, I lay it all out. And in fact, in the book, it's more of a proof than it is uh, like a narrative or something to read. So it just basically says, if we're going to assume that the story of Atlantis is true, right? then based on what it says, all of these things have to be true. Can we find them? Which is a different way of doing it. Most people say, let's go try and see if we can prove this is a true story. I'm saying, no, let's assume it's a true story. Now let's start to look through what we know to see if we can find cooperation. And when you, when you turn it around that way and you look at it that way, the answer becomes pretty obvious.
0: All right, now here's a question i just thought about because you know i've i've thought about this and never really had an idea of where to go with this question okay so atlantis is real it's a was real was real yeah it's a civilization that nine to ten thousand years
1: ago right eleven thousand six hundred years ago something like
0: that okay so it's a civilization that one Has become extinct in all this, or split up a a civilization that something bad
1: happened to it, and the the civilization broke down and went somewhere else. Yeah. Yes. So, what, with that being the case,
0: whatever it might have been, something bad, a a volcano destroyed it like Pompeii, whatever it might be. Yeah. With that, if say we if somebody reads your book, goes to where Atlantis is now, sees it and says, my God, it's real. What implement do you think that has or what impact do you think that has to today's society, if any, to find out? Because certain historical cities, facts and locations do affect today's way of thinking and today's events in history. Do you think there's an impact if people start looking at this and say, this is real.
1: I do. And I think this is it. I think it is part of why it might never uh, be acknowledged from a mainstream standpoint. Uh, This goes back to, so the problem with Atlantis is twofold. If Atlantis is real and it's, it's, it's 96, it's at the end of the last ice age. And there Mm -hmm. was some type of group of people who could do things that we didn't, we, we currently don't think cavemen could have done i right. trying to really be careful how I say this. Um, okay. It undermines two things. Uh, it undermines a wing of many of the religions of the world that have their own dating systems that don't go back that far. Right. So that, that's a problem. And it undermines this idea of um, indigenous entitlement. That's not the right way. That's a bad way of putting it. Some, a lot of societies are based on the fact that some people got there before other people. All right. And then they call them the firsts. Canada. You mentioned Canada. Canada has this. Um, This undoes that. All right. So so that may change the society completely, because, I mean, so much of what we do is based on, you know, those two fallacies and we're forced to deal with them all the time. Uh, The third thing that is very bad about Atlantis is that apparently when you follow the trail back, you tend to end up in some of the places that the Nazis kind of hijacked from a mythology standpoint. So Mm -hmm. then when when it starts to look like that stuff is real, uh, it doesn't matter that it's real. You're simply called a racist and, and uh, and, and other bad names because other people who had those views a long time ago also were interested in this topic. Uh, Right. So to answer you, I mean, I'm, I'm being very careful with my language, but that answers your question. Uh so it, it yeah it changes it, it changes everything uh, s- uh, softly what i think it does just for the layperson for me what it does for me is um it defrags so much of what we see when we look back into our past versus mm-hmm. what we're told we're supposed to see when we look back into our past
0: all right you know i'm going to have to get the book just uh i it's going to be on my reading list i'll tell you that much
1: so Oh, you'll, it, it'll change your life, and yeah. but it's just a proof. It's not. It's not. There's no philosophy in it. There's no religion in it. There's no politics in it. It literally is just a proof. It says here's what the dot. Here's what we know about Atlantis, and there's more than right. just Plato, by the way. Identify those, and if we take what we know physically and we look for it physically, here is the place that fits that description. And by the way, it fits it over 99%. Um, we cannot like it. We can say it's a coincidence. Can't prove it's not. But if there is an answer, this is that the book tells you the answer. All right. So,
0: yeah, like I said, it's definitely on my reading list at this point. So, And I'll tell you what, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know we've talked for almost an hour at this point.
1: Yeah.
0: I went, you're the second guest in a row that literally I could probably spend half the day just sitting and talking to you. Yeah. But I don't think. Everybody wants to listen to us go into deep things like that.
1: Yeah, how long we can talk is a different algorithm than how long people will listen.
0: Exactly. So
1: unfortunately it's that second one that dictates success. So
0: exactly. So with that being said, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna end the conversation for everybody that's listening to us now. But excuse me, I almost had a call. But if people want to find you, I have Mm -hmm. a profile for you on authorblurb.com where it has your links to your website. Your YouTube channel, (coughs) excuse me, and some other information like your bio and the stuff you provided me. Where do you prefer people to reach out to you if they have questions, if they want to talk to you, if they want to buy your books? What do you want to have them do?
1: Yeah, the easiest thing is Frequency99.com. The nines are numbers, so Frequency99.com. And that's got links to everything. It's got links to the podcasts and the books, and it's got an email for the producer of the shows and the phone number and and all that stuff. You can't quite get to me through it, but you can get to my handlers um, (laughs) who will will alert me. So,
0: Okay. Well, that sounds good. So thank you for being here. Like I said, this is going to be the end of it for everybody else to listen to, but... I'm going to keep talking to you for a little bit mind if you don't mind hanging on.
1: Eric, I appreciate it very much. Very professional. And I um, hope this wound up being a good show for you. Thank you.
0: Oh, I think it did. So thank you. Hold on one moment. I'm glad you made it this far to the end of the show. I hope you've enjoyed it because that's what it's all about. I'd also like to suggest that you take the time and go find the other authors that are here. Find that author that you're going to love and you're going to want to share. It's all about the authors, and that's why I'm here. Now, if you enjoy the show, i like to ask you to do me a favor. If you think it's worth it, go to the website, authorblurb.com. You can donate money, donate crypto, buy me a cup of coffee, things like that that helps me support keeping the show going. Right now, I don't do anything to try to delay, add, distract you. Everything's out of my pocket and everything is meant to make authors be able to grow their audience and grow your attention. So as always, thank you for being here. I hope you come back for the next show. And again, take the time, explore authorblurb.com. There's a lot there that you will be very happy to take the time to enjoy. And as final note, rate, review shoot me an email through authorblurb.com. That way you can at least let me know what you think. I'm happy to always see reviews and hear what you think. Thank you. Have a good day.